0: Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Scherzarko, and this is the second half of our discussion of the Star Wars prequels. I'm going to be as brief as possible in this introduction. It's the end of the year. The newest Star Wars movie just came out. By the time this episode is coming out, probably many of us have seen it and are overflowing with emotion, so let's dive into the rest of this discussion. But before we do, I want to thank all of you. Truly, all of you, for listening to this little podcast. This has been a little bit of a tough year for me, and it hasn't been easy to release all these episodes every time. And I appreciate you bearing with me as I continue to discover more things about being a podcaster and about this podcast specifically. You are all incredible, have enriched my life so much. I'm so grateful to you. I can't thank you enough for your support, It, which, you know, listening is support. Sharing us with a friend is support. And every time somebody tells me, you know, that they, they told their mom or their friend about us, it makes me so happy. I just want more and more people to listen to this podcast. And we've got some exciting stuff planned for 2020. And I can't wait to enter this new decade with all of you. So, Here's to you. Cheers. And speaking of support, a very special thank you to our patrons, most notably our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Alison Turi, and Jacob Penfold. And to our advanced producers, Mara Zobrist and Michael Beck. I wish I could go see The Rise of Skywalker with all of you and we could share a bottle or two of wine afterward and talk about our hopes and dreams and our thoughts about the movie because that's those are just my favorite things to do and I would rather do that with all of you than with anybody else. Maybe Winston can come too. <laughs> if you would like to join this stellar group of people, come visit us at patreon.com pairingpodcast. Without further ado, here is episode 53, The Star Wars Prequels, Part 2. Also Jen in, uh, in Rogue One.
1: Oh my god. Rogue yeah. One is so good.
0: Rogue One is so good. We have to save the it's, Rogue One yeah. discussion. To, but, that's yeah. a whole different. It's a whole different discussion. But, but
1: um, another component I think is that Palpatine is actually wonderful.
0: Yes. He okay. Like
1: he's one of the few parts of the movie that. Uh, I mean, there's the Ewan McGregor storyline, which I'm yes. like, Yes. And also the is organic, evolution. I this.
0: this is also the evolution of Ewan McGregor's hair choices, oh my which God. just get better and better. It's
1: true. <laughs> um, <laughs> The Emperor Palpatine in all three of the prequel movies is one hundred percent believable villain. Like, yes, there are those silly moments when he's like, "Good, good, no, you will die." Like, there's overacting and there's silly dialogue, but the like plotting makes perfect sense in terms of what he's doing. He's executing this like forty-year plan to destroy the Republic and. That, by the way, is what the Federalist Society is doing. They're mm. a group of conservative legal scholars who put up all the judge, Like, that's a 40-year project. Yeah. And it's going to take decades to undo, which, again, is one of the messages of Star Wars that I like. Is like, none of this will be over yeah. quickly.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. And also, I mean, this is something I was talking about with you the other night, is that Ian McDiarmid, uh, who plays Emperor Palpatine and has since... Right. The original and is going
1: to again and is going to
0: again. Well, this is what I looked up because we didn't know this because obviously the big reveal in the previews for the Rise of Skywalker is the cackle is the Emperor's cackle, and we're like, holy shit, the Emperor's coming back! But you
1: hear his voice in one of the later trailers. He's like, He's yeah, like whale, yeah, blah,
0: blah, yeah. Blah, blah, no, blah. you do, you do, you do. But that was but that was a big deal when you heard his his laugh, and this actor has played this part for. Uh, you know, since 1977, so 42 years. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, you know, it almost feels like they had this story, if not planned, then wanted to plan for the potential of this story because... Well, Lucas
1: has had that kind of...
0: Big picture. Big vision yeah, for a long time. Yeah. And he
1: was like, I want to make more Star Wars movies. I don't have the technology yet. And then when he got all this CGI, he was like, ha ha, finally, I can make it how I want to make it. Right, right. And he just way overdosed on his own supply.
0: Yeah. Um, And then, but but what I think is brilliant and feels really poignant and unsettling to me is that Ian McDiarmid started playing the emperor when he was like 38 Mm -hmm. years old. And now is uh, Eight, 70, 80. 80, almost yeah. 80, and is going to be playing this role again. That is incredibly like poignant to me and is just and, 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 and just sort of reflects this whole world yeah. and, and the story of the, And like you were saying, like, you know, these kind of political issues, these are things that we have to deal with. For decades. Yeah. And decades.
1: Like, there's... I like that every Star Wars movie has a, a some kind of a mission accomplished moment. Maybe mm. not Empire Strikes Back. Maybe not Last Jedi. You could argue that's more of like a, oh my God, we survived. That's all. Right? Yeah. But yeah. then there's always the next thing. Yeah. It's like every time you catch up with, you know, the gang, things are worse. <laughs> and it's true the prequels too yeah. and uh, and the personal corruption the writing of it is bad but not Palpatine's what Mm-mm. Palpatine is doing makes perfect sense his motives make sense his plan makes sense like everything about him is uh, well executed I think the bopper scene notwithstanding although mm-hmm. I do think the story that he's telling and the way that he's seducing Anakin mm-hmm. makes sense thematically a lot of the just Sheer dialogue choices well, are absurd. Yeah,
0: it's absurd, and and what and
1: absurd that Anakin and Jedi can't be like
0: this guy's fucking with me. Well, <laughs> you know? well, yeah, no. What what what's compelling is Palpatine. What's not convincing is that Anakin would believe him at that right. point. Like, I don't believe that Anakin, who is in love and is mostly in his like twenty years old, like sure, like I get the I get the ambition like line right. of it and like you know thinking that the Jedi are corrupt and not feeling respected enough like I get that like I was there like I've been there I've, I've felt that before but I that didn't drive me to commit genocide right and which
1: he does like Several times.
0: Several times. But what and, <laughs> and I was thinking about this and I and I was like, Come on, Anakin, you're happily married. You have got a great job, you know, you're blah blah blah. And but then I stuck I took a step back and I thought about, you know, like there's all this gun violence in our in our world right now. Yeah. There's all mass mass uh murder happening all the time. And a lot of it has to do
1: with men not feeling like they're getting what they are owed. They're not mm -hmm. getting the respect they deserve, the sex they deserve, the Mm -hmm. money they deserve. And so they're going to take that out on the world.
0: Right. But I do think that there's a bigger mental health issue that could have been addressed as part of that Um, or or just like a general toxic masculinity issue because because basically he's like "Uh, obi-wan doesn't like me but obi-wan is so nice to him most of the time like yeah he challenges him but but what i like it feels simplified to me and I and, and and the way I was responding to it, I was like responding in a very simplistic fashion. But then I took a step back and I was like, Oh no, there's people who you look at on paper who have stories just like Anakin's right. and become these people who who commit terrible atrocities. Right. And And I just think that there's a way that Anakin's story could have been treated with a little bit more respect and nuance that would have made it a lot more. Like Kylo Ren, I mean, which is is something Also, Adam
1: Driver's performance is just wonderful. I mean,
0: Adam Driver's a better actor than Hayden Christensen, but also he's written better and and given more complexity and nuance and respect.
1: Well, George Lucas was kind of like, I have A and I have B, and it doesn't really matter how we get from A to B. You know, but like that framing with Yoda in the first movie where he says fear leads to anger, anger leads to hatred, hatred leads to suffering. Like there's this Buddhist like religious thing going on. And then the way they try to show his journey uh, into fear and hatred and anger and suffering is just so badly fumbled.
0: Well, what I also what I what I did feel when I was hearing that again as when when Yoda said those things because I remember and I was listening to Yoda and um and and I was thinking, you know, that's not what this guy needs to be hearing right now. Right. And so um and so I do respect on a certain level the fact but Yeah but the
1: failure of authority is the big theme of the prequel.
0: Absolutely. But but it's never quite you know outlined in the way that it is in the last jedi that the jedi are flawed and the fact that yoda said that it, you know it may be true but that's not what he needed to hear at that moment right and and it would have been more useful for obi-wan or somebody to say like, you know, listen. It's okay to be angry. It's yeah, okay to right. be yeah.
1: Like, like the more Dumbledore approach. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. And exactly. also another and
1: so, thing that's missing humor is Yoda in the prequels. Yes. Because in the original trilogy, Yoda's fucking hilarious. Oh my god. And when he's serious, it hits you like a sledgehammer because it's right. Rare.
0: Because he's so funny, but
1: found someone you have, I should say.
0: <laughs> exactly. You know, like, and, and, and also, he's and none also, of that the, on a very, prequels. on a very like. Uh, uh, superficial level animated Yoda does not work for me. I don't believe it. Sure. For okay, a second, but I'm going to but... stick
1: up for the lightsaber battle with Yoda <laughs> and in the Count Attack of Dooku. the Clones and Count Dooku. First yeah. of all, Christopher Lee is great. He does everything he's supposed to do Ugh. just fine.
0: Christopher Lee is without, um, without.
1: And so does the 40 year old stunt double who did all the lightsaber <laughs> fighting that they put his head on. Uh, but when you see Yoda's shadow and he's hobbling into the yeah. thing. I fucking lost my shit. I, I think was at the I DeVargo do. Mall I, I think I did and too. I and watching him because you're like, wait, how could, how could Yoda, blah, and then when you see that he like, he's like a little force magic gremlin. Yeah. And it's really cool, and the the. Non-animated actors interacting with it was perfect. Like the choreography is yeah. great. Oh yeah, it is both really in that well done. and the Emperor fight scene, which E. Um, McDermott was furious about. Yeah, he was like, "I'll do the prequels, but you can't make me do a lightsaber fight scene." Yeah, and then they made him do it, and he he hated it, but he was already stuck in the contract.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and people had similar complaints about lightsaber fighting Yoda. They were like, both Yoda and the Emperor are supposed to be so powerful. That they would never need a lightsaber, mm. but I say fuck that. That lightsaber fight was super, super fun.
0: See, see, the lightsaber fight didn't fight. It didn't bother me. Yeah. It was just, it was just kind of generally Yoda not being a puppet, right? That, because that. And and which they again they've corrected that and thank you Werner Herzog for fixing that with Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian. You people
1: are cowards.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we'll talk about that soon too. Return
1: my puppet.
0: Yes, (laughs) but uh, okay, I do want to talk about a couple more wine things. Yeah, please. There's so much
1: jabbering for a bit.
0: Well, there's so much to talk about, and we could we we can keep talking about it. But um, one thing that I wanted to talk about. That just reminded me of the prequels in general. Most of the ideas that I've had for Star Wars are more like wine, bigger picture ideas and concepts. Um, And one of those is um, there are a few instances of winemakers becoming kind of masters of their craft in a certain region of the world. And then trying to go to a different part of the world and replicate that mastery and not doing yeah, so how
1: does that well. work out for them
0: Sometimes it works out well because some people some people are just really good and really smart and know what they're doing but not always does it work out well and um one instance that came to mind and I don't want to throw shade at this person because I actually I haven't tasted these wines so I can't tell you for sure if I agree with this, but people have told me Paul Hobbs is one of the greatest winemakers in California. He, his, his Cabernets are untouchable. His wines are amazing. He decided to go to Argentina and, and start up a a second label and another project in Argentina. And I have heard that those wines are just not as good because guess what? the climate in argentina is very different than the climate in california and so he and and also the grapes that he's dealing with are different so you know he's a he's a cab maker so he made a pretty good argentine cab but he tried to do a malbec and that malbec for the price that it was is not as good as it should have been and so that reminds me very much of George Lucas in these prequels yeah and just it's a very like, much his
1: personal story in a lot of ways
0: yeah yeah and you were supposed to be the chosen one yeah and uh and and so I was I was thinking about that and then uh we were talking about Carmenier, this wine that we've been drinking, Mm -hmm. which I've been very happily enjoying. And I think I would very happily enjoy this one. And I do have to say, this past time watching these prequels was the first time I'd seen them since I was able to drink. (laughs) (laughs) It helps. It helps. It helps. (laughs) If you haven't seen the prequels in a while uh, and you weren't able to drink before, I highly recommend watching them Uh, With a little bit of wine, Uh, but um, a couple other grapes that are kind of divisive or that people don't like so much, which people feel so strongly about these prequels, a couple others. So I've mentioned Carmenere in Chile. There's also Torontes in Argentina, which I've talked about before. That one is one of my least favorites. And that's a personal opinion. Um, it's just, a. it's a white grape. It's very aromatic. There's very little acidity to it. It's just very perfumey and kind of not much else. Um, there are good ones that are not like that necessarily, but that's kind of the majority of the tastes that I've had. Um it's like a
1: little too too flowery a little too flowery polished. it's
0: very clone war or a very attack of the clones i'm yeah. sorry it's very attack of the clones right um like that whole scene where they're in the meadow and oh, the yeah. weird beasts are there although and, again um, the love theme is good
1: yeah no the music is good <groans> oh it's beautiful it's beautiful but it's really good and but it's wasted on some horrible writing and, and dialogue yeah it's um,
0: really not well executed and um and the last one that i wanted to talk about which i've also mentioned before is pinotage in south africa and pinotage pinotage and carmenere i feel like are sort of similar where they can be made well and they don't offend me but when they're not made well i mean pinotage kind of tastes like burnt rubber when it's not made Ooh. well so it's very it's uh you know it's just it's just not my favorite and so i think that those are some those are some grapes that people who are hating on the prequels can yeah. can can drink while
1: yeah. And there's obviously the um you know sideways. We're
0: not drinking any fucking I, Merlot. I know, I you know. know. Sideways ruined Merlot for people, but, but I do think there's that there's good Merlots. There's good Merlots. and I I actually think that that's a really great that's a really yeah. great analogy. You gotta
1: look for them, but they are there. Um, and I, I do want to get this in. Yes, I'm sorry. please,
0: please. We're not, we're not, we're not. Done.
1: The last fight. Um, between Obi Wan and to go back to fighting for a minute, I know it's non sequitur at this point, but the way that is choreographed shows that they are so similar Mm, that all their fighting moves are almost reflective of each other. Yeah, and it's until that stupid end with the high ground bullshit. Because again, George Lucas is like, well, we gotta get him uh, chopped up and burned. Uh, and then we got to, and we got to have this fight and, uh, high ground, you know, <laughs> it's
0: like, yeah, no, makes like that, absolutely so no sense, but, but yeah,
1: but the fight choreography until they get to that point, so poetic. It just, it does more than all the rest of Hayden Christensen's acting, you know, yeah, and everything and else. Like that tells the whole story of their relationship. And honestly, you were my brother, Anakin. It's like, it's so good.
0: And honestly, particularly in that movie, I don't think that Hayden Christensen's acting is that terrible. No, I he just steps think, it up a lot. I just think that he's all he's given to do is, hey, you find out your wife is pregnant, you think she's gonna die in childbirth. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, which then destroys right. you. Oh, the way but that they it's kill off like, Natalie Portman oh is also God. super oh stupid. Oh, my God. But... It's so stupid. The part of what's so challenging about these trilogies is that if you, if you like, know a little bit about Star Wars, you know what's going to happen. And so, like, you're expecting it to happen, and it doesn't happen in a very, like, surprising or or yeah. creative way. But...
1: Again, yeah. we, we knew where we were going to end up, but the journey wasn't attended to as well as it should have been. Mm-mm. And I, th- I think it's perfectly reasonable to, to hate the movies because of that, um, especially if you're a screenwriter or an actor or somebody, yeah. you know. But that's the other thing I think is um, kind of infuriating, is if you worked in the industry, like so many people, the sound designers, the the art designers, the costume designers, like these people were at the absolute top of their game. Oh, absolutely. And they did everything to tell the story through their contribution, Mm -hmm. and then the guy at the top fucking ruined it. Yeah. You know? And I still think that they are enjoyable movies, but it's a certain... It's like you've got to just accept that they're going to be large flubs, you know?
0: Well, And, and, and and, and what I do have to say is, like, despite all their flaws, you know, we were watching... We watched... Movies two and three sequentially the other night, and I was really drawn into the story. You yeah. know, I even even in Attack of the Clones because that one is one of the weakest movies.
1: Oh, uh, by far s- the worst in the by far the, the series. worst in
0: the series, and
1: um, generally just like it completely lost. Like he went so far into cartoony stuff, yeah, and then that's smashed together with some actually fairly serious scenes about like militarizing and
0: yeah. what what is
1: going on. But yeah. that all gets lost in the like and all the yeah. cartoony stuff. Yeah, and uh, it's it's very frustrating. But again, you and McGregor is fucking great in it. He
0: is fucking great in it, and
1: also let's take a minute to appreciate Jedi Master Mace Windu.
0: Absolutely. as played by Samuel
1: L Jackson. Oh
0: my god. Ugh.
1: Whose contract stated, and I quote, I get my own color of lightsaber and I don't go out like a bitch. <laughs> that is a legal document.
0: That is a legal document. I love it. I love it. Oh my I god. Like the, I mean,
1: he was like like every all the other Jedi characters are played so like self-serious and and Samuel Jackson was like no, I'm Samuel L. Jackson, Jedi Master.
0: Yes, <laughs> and I mean he's basically Nick Fury, Jedi Master. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, but it 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 works. I mean, he's one of the most compelling characters in the whole trilogy because yeah. because he is real and because he is like human and.
1: Well, and he's also the the closest they get to a character that is saying like something is wrong. Something is deeply wrong. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying it the whole time. It's consistent. His character arc is consistent. The flaws he has, and kind of what makes Anakin betray him, like on, on his character side, it's very consistent. Yeah, you know. And again, there's like silly part. No, oh, he is the traitor. You know that yeah, whole thing. Yeah, of course. But, but um, he generally, I think, does a really good job. I think Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon is Fabulous. great. And Qui-Gon is a great character. Yep. Um, because he's somebody who's like you, he seems like he has so much spiritual gravitas, but then he's like wrong about everything. Yeah. So Yeah, that's no, great. I,
0: I, I I love that. I I mean and that feels very Star Wars because I was about to say I wish we got more of him, but that that is very Star Wars. He is the Obi Wan of the yeah. prequels and and it's very it's it's very well done and he and he does a great job. I mean he's he's Liam Neeson and but again, you know part of part of the problem is that with all that gravitas, there's no real humor to balance him no
1: and they try to make obi-wan sort of the the like more solid comic relief in the movie and it just, it doesn't work out because I don't, I don't think there's like balance, you know, like he has that line in the first movie where he's like, well, you were right about one thing master. The negotiations were short.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like that's like actually pretty good. It's yeah. not going to make me like laugh out loud, but I'm like, okay, haha, He's witty. Yeah, but yeah. then later he's like, Ugh, we've picked up more useless life forms. And I'm like, I don't even believe this. Yeah. Like, yeah. They not write doesn't... it consistently enough No, it to be No, good.
0: it's, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot of problems. Okay, we are going to pause here briefly so that I can tell you about our sponsor for this week, Care Of. The holidays are here, people, and I know that for me that means a lot of eating, drinking, partying, and not having as much time to take care of myself. That's where Care Of comes in. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to get the right vitamins, supplements, and protein powders for your specific needs. Whether you're looking for glowing skin, more energy, better sleep, or something to support your health and fitness routine, Care Of helps you build and stick with a plan that's right for you. New Year's resolutions are coming up. Now is the time to get your Care Of kit. Because Care Of can help you get back into a healthy routine. It can be hard to prioritize your health during the season of equal parts stress and celebration, but Care Of makes it easy. Their online quiz lets you know exactly what you need. You take a short, fun, five-minute quiz and answer easy questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health needs. So, for example, you know me, I love wine, so I told them that I drink wine occasionally, and they help me find certain supplements that will help replenish me, like magnesium and milk thistle. Who knew? Care-of knows that taking care of your health should be easy and convenient, so your Care-of order gets shipped right to your door in convenient daily packs, perfect for a busy, on-the-go lifestyle. And I love that those individualized packs are compostable. So experience the Care-of difference. They make it easy to see where they source their ingredients from and ensure only the highest quality products. And they have vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs and to ensure you're getting the nutrients you need for those specific diets. And right now, CareOf is offering our listeners 25% off your first order when you go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the promo code PAIRING. That's TakeCareOf.com and the promo code PAIRING for 25% off your first order from CareOf and now back to the show
1: so many problems so many problems but there are things that stand out as still being incredible yes and i think it's worth appreciating those things if you feel like you can enjoy spectacle with just enough like thematic glue To hold the rickety-ass boat together. (laughs) I
0: I highly recommend, as someone who watched these movies when I was young, and getting back to my Star Wars timeline, and then I want to hear your Star Wars timeline, because we haven't talked about that yet. but, uh, But I definitely saw... I believe I had seen the whole first trilogy before I saw phantom menace but i definitely at least had seen episodes five and six um and and then going to see episode six was like okay hi it's emma from the future again i think i misspoke again here i believe what i meant was that after seeing the phantom menace that was my reaction there are a lot of movies and a lot of episodes and names and numbers. I keep getting confused. So I'm sorry. I think you know what I meant. But then I promptly, I believe, after I saw Phantom Menace, I went back and rewatched the original trilogy and became absolutely obsessed. And um, and part of what I became so obsessed with was... The characters. I was obsessed with the characters of Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, of Leia, and Han, R two, C three P O. They're they're amazing. They're such amazing characters yeah. that serve that, that are that that yeah. tell this story so well.
1: Yeah. R two and C three P O. theirs is a forever love.
0: It is. It is a forever love. <laughs> um, it's the great romance. But I also
1: think it's worth pointing out that there are a lot of silly ass things in the original trilogy. So silly. And they are papered over by the sheer gravitas that not just the like classically trained Shakespearean British actors have, <laughs> but like baby Carrie Fisher.
0: And Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. And, Hamill and yeah. <laughs> like
1: fucking um, Harrison Ford. Like that cast covers up so many sins. Like Alec Guinness hated
0: Star I know. Wars. I know. Hated
1: the script. Thought it was preposterous. But he says these lines that you would like if if Hayden Christensen delivered these lines, like there would have never been a second Star Wars yeah. movie. But he's in that first movie, like, hmm, not as clumsy or random as a blaster, a more elegant weapon for a more civilized age. And you're like, yep, like yeah, yeah huh, yep, yep, yeah, yep. That makes yep. sense. But <laughs> like a lot of that is the acting.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I think we agree. I think yeah. we agree that the other Star Wars movies are better than the prequels. Yeah. But... Oh,
1: but I never made my case about Return of the Jedi. And oh, do yes. Want to do okay, let's, give
0: it, let's do it. Okay. Let's
1: do it. All right, so my mother had all three um, unremastered ones on VHS. Okay. And so I watched the first, I uh, watched New Hope um, in alternation with Tron, the original Tron. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I was really into that whole, like, um, 70s and 80s sci-fi thing and mm-hmm. as a kid, and my mom was just like, yeah, fuck, whatever. Nice. Um So, over and over and over again, I watched it. Then, finally... I, I
0: should saw- also clarify that when I got into Star Wars, the, uh, the original trilogy, I did watch them on the original VHS. Yeah. It wasn't the weird remastered DVDs, which I have now, but... Anyway, go
1: on. At one point, my mom was just, like, doing something in her bedroom and had put on Return of the Jedi. I had not seen Empire Strikes Back. Oh. And so I thought it was New Hope, Return of the Jedi. And I just oh, came with wow. and watched So you had it. kind
0: of an opposite experience of yeah, me. Yeah.
1: And then later, I saw on TV, Luke get his hand cut off. Yeah. And this I Am Your Father stuff. And I i mean, I, I had seen some of that in Return right, of the Jedi. Right, But I was like, he got his hand. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. And he's just hanging there. And what? Yeah. What?
1: And then uh, what happened was a really good Star Wars, a couple of really good Star Wars games came out on N64 at the same time. Uh Uh-huh. It was Rogue Squadron and, oh, Shadows of something, where you play a bounty hunter who's kind of like Han Solo. Mm, Nice. Um, And so those came out at the exact same time as the remastered movies, Mm. So which was also right before Phantom Menace came out in 1999. And I'm three years older than Emma, so... I yes. was, you know, whenever you were eight, I was 11, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and my sister took Which me... Which was a
0: big deal when you're that young.
1: Yeah. well, my sister took me to see Phantom Menace and I fucking loved it, I still have a really soft spot in my heart for it. I even then could acknowledge that the Gungan shit was like out of control, oh but then they have that battle scene and I was like, this is really cool. Like this is a native population fighting... You know,
0: a, a colonialist yeah. yeah, army mm-hmm.
1: and like doing well with their own shit. And yes, it beca- it's so silly in parts. But And like, you were older than I
0: was, but as a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old or whatever. Right. No, I was 10 when it came right. out. It was lost on me. Right. So,
1: But so at that time, that's when I did the deep dive and I got all the compendiums and started reading mm-hmm. the extended universe. And obviously I was playing TIE Fighter and X-Wing and just everything with Star Wars all the time. Mm-hmm. So much mm-hmm. of a presence. And I think that's part of why my appreciation of all of the films is a little fragmented mm. is because it'd be like, all right, well, now I'm I'm just dealing with the fighters because I finished mm. my homework, I'm playing TIE Fighter. Well, now I'm playing Dark Forces and I'm trying to be a Jedi and lightsaber fights are cool. Well, now I'm learning about all these vehicles and stuff and, and starting to appreciate music in like a technical way for the first time. Mm. And so in so many ways, it was like, it was a part of growing up and just like George Lucas's, like preoccupations are reflected in the prequels and some of the other stuff. Like my different obsessions were always very like focused. Um, and so by the time we got to the new ones, you know, I like everybody else. I was like ready for all the nostalgia, but also it had shaved off so much of the dead weight, um, that the prequels had. And really delivered, like, a compelling story again about, like, it's it's kind of cool because it's, like, sort of decadence, status quo, which, again, it was 2000, so, or 1999, so we thought it was the end of history. Nothing could ever go wrong. Right. And then by the time we got to 2005, it was, like, Iraq War.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is yeah. going
1: on? And then we... Got the whole New Hope era with Obama, and that turned out not to be as clean and shiny as we mm-hmm, wanted mm-hmm. it to be. And now we're the first order. I mean, it's just like have, have, we're just like trying to survive. Democracies all over the world are fighting yeah. for their lives, and people are doing amazing, heroic things. But not everybody's going to make it. And there's one thing that Star Wars has consistently said is like the long nature of struggle and the absolute ubiquity of sacrifice. And I think that that is even in, through all the like glitter and plastic that's on the prequels, I still think that message comes through. Yeah. And it doesn't always come through in the dialogue, but I do think a lot of it comes through in some of the sequences and some of the fight scenes. And yeah, there are some inter you know personal scenes that actually do work. Um, and so it's like. If you can take a little bit of, uh, you know, fluff mm-hmm. on your story, and just accept that that's going to be part of it, and then just like strap yourself in for the ride, I still think you can get a lot out of it—not just from a woo space lasers perspective, but from like a kind of a deeper cosmic perspective, but also woo space lasers.
0: Okay, so make your case. Why is Revenge of the Sith a better movie than Return of the Jedi?
1: Okay. First of all, The uh, Revenge of the Sith is really about the final collapse of democracy. And this whole movie has mm-hmm. this aura of doom about it that I think is really cool and compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it has its cartoonish elements, it's really shaved a lot of those out by then. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um,
0: no, that, that 100%
1: agreed. Right. And so it, it has a very much more consistent tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Return of the Jedi has a more inconsistent tone in that it's, it's sort of like, it's trying to wrap everything up a little too fast. Um, and the tone between like Jabba and Yoda and the Ewoks, and I'm not an anti-Ewok person. I Thank think, God. I mean, <laughs> I think it's amazing, but again, it's like, oh, you want to, you want to be mad about cartoonish things in Star Wars? Yeah. How about a bunch of midget bears? You know, like, hey. it's a little person hey. bears, hey. whatever. I love Warwick Davis. I, I, the Ewoks are a great army. They defeat the intergalactic
0: stormtroopers
1: with like logs and slingshots. It's fun I to love watch. the Ewoks. And, and there's a lot of fun scenes in it, but I don't think really the last Jedi even knows what it's doing until Luke like turns himself in. And that's when it gets. Really you mean compelling. Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. I'm sorry.
0: I thought you said Last Jedi. But oh, not, not bad. Sure. Possible. Uh,
1: but I think that's when it sort of the movie gets it. And yeah. And that space battle is fantastic. But in uh, Revenge of the Sith, you have you have like the fall of a hero, um, and you have the ending of a friendship, and the the way it's like it's very. Greek almost in like it the is. level of its tragedy and that is interspersed with like it's the best space battle in the prequels that opening scene it's really cool and the lightsaber fighting is amazing and it's visually stunning the music is fantastic and it is tonally consistent I think is the main thing and it also like the battle between Luke and Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi Mm -hmm. is about, like, join me, Mm -hmm. right? Join me, and together we will rule the galaxy's father and son. I know that's Empire, but... Yeah. um, It's like they're trying to seduce him from scratch. Mm -hmm. Like, he's been pure, 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 pure. And then they're like, all right, now you're going to join us. Whereas with Anakin, by the time we're in Revenge of the Sith, a lot of this groundwork has been laid, and rather than, uh, like, Anakin trying to get Obi-Wan to join me... Uh, I know he says like, you know, if you're not with us, you're against us. Only the Sith deal in absolutes, except for just now when I said that absolute. yeah but, um, <laughs> but it is about like the crushing end of a familial relationship. Yeah. You know, you were my brother in you were supposed to be the chosen one. And like it, it is it's so much about like your heart being broken and and what can we do to pick up the pieces and really, all you have is just a little sliver of hope by the end of that movie, and I think that that's that just has so much more gravitas than Return of the Jedi, which is again, it's like Lucas is straying into the like kids movie, like it's it's sort of yeah. half the Ewok adventure and half a Star Wars movie, and while I do think it it ends really well, mm-hmm. I think it meanders a lot in the meantime. And um, I mean, obviously the space battle is really cool, but I I do think it's like their whole plan is like, well, they built a, they're building another one. We're gonna go get it, and we'll just bring all the ships we have. And it's like that's not like the that's the Rebel Alliance hasn't been working like that. You know, it's a, I, and I don't want to nitpick. You know, people nitpick about like the trash compactor and uh, obviously midi oh, midi chlorians yeah. is the worst idea George Lucas yeah. ever had. But yeah. the reason I like Return of the Sith is like you,
0: you revenge. You f-
1: revenge of the Sith, yeah. You feel that movie, like you feel everything slipping yeah, away.
0: Yeah. No, and, I think that's fair. And also, I think again, everything you said is fair.
1: Ewan just rules every scene that he's in, um, and I think that uh, Palpatine also does a, just a fantastic job. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's just that movie feels. It's obviously not well written like Shakespeare, or Greek tragedy but it has that consistency and that trajectory like you feel yourself being pulled into it in the way that like you're not really distracted by the cartoons going on you're like feeling everything kind of coming to a head and collapsing and in Return of the Jedi I just don't think that it feels as weighty until like the very end of the movie um
0: No, I think everything you've said is correct. I think that um, I still find Return of the Jedi ultimately a more enjoyable film, but I do think that you're right in that Return uh, Revenge of the Sith kind of brings the prequels more towards what Star Wars should be and uh, Return of the Jedi brings it away from what it should be. Right. Um, however, I love the Ewoks. I so. love the
1: Ewoks. I, I will say, as I have uh, said in an article that the reporter published, uh, my first sexual awakening was during Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and not during the slave bikini scene, during the forest speeder bike scene. So take from that what you will. And I learned some things about my body that day.
0: During the... I
1: was like, hmm yeah. <laughs>
0: speeder
1: bikes. Uh, so... That's me. So there you go. That's me, kids. There you but I go. think that uh, Revenge of the Sith ha- has very similar qualities to Rogue One, and that way I think Rogue mm. One actually it does that better, and I think it's better.
0: Does than Rogue it way Thales. better? But I do think that it's it's a similar kind of. Well, I think part of what it what it is, and I I do want to wrap this up because we've been talking yeah. for a long time. But is that the 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 trilogy was so silly and goofy for so long, and then ends on such like a note of utter right. despair and bleakness. Right. That not utter despair and bleakness, but comparatively. Right. That it it feels while while the while the movie might feel more cohesive, the trilogy as a whole feels very dissonant. Sure. And so yeah. it
1: doesn't feel earned. The third movie. Yeah. Until you watch the Clone Wars.
0: Which, Which I have not, but I believe are great. Right.
1: Well, with that, I will cease my defense of the trilogy.
0: I mean, If you're gonna
1: watch it, watch it with wine, laugh yes. at the goofy racist shit, and uh, appreciate. Don't, don't laugh good at moments. the
0: go- don't laugh at the goofy racist. shit. Well, don't shit. excuse the, the racist the shit. Only but, that's know. the only part of it that is truly inexcusable. The bad writing, the bad acting, whatever. The the the. Whatever the Jar Jar Binkses are, they're they're the Gungans. Inex, the Gungans. They're inexcusable, yeah, and yeah. I can't defend that. Though
1: I will say, so, as I said before, I think if they had just been British instead yeah. of like colonized people, yeah. I think that would have been like we're just a different civilization. Way better. Like way better. You know, Jar Jar Binks, what are you doing here? You know, yeah. and they're just like stodgy, and maybe yeah. they, you can even get comedy out of that, but. Making them like making them slave without... clowns is oh not acceptable. Oh my
0: god! Oh my god! It felt it was so hard watching it again. I I like I had uh, okay. Anyway, this has been a lovely discussion, and I am now m- more on the side of I can defend the prequels in certain ways. I just think there are
1: salvageable things about
0: There are salvageable things about them.
1: Nobody is the worst thing they've ever done, and the prequels are not the worst scene in the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. There you go. There we go.
1: All right. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Ding! Bing! Bing! (laughs) Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Scherzarko. With music and audio recording by Winston Shaw, and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Jarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast@gmail.com, at or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairing where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.